Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's worth what we're doing. Like there has to be some patience involved and right now we're in growing years and we're in investing years um, and the, the future payoff is going to be worth it. But while we're doing this, you start to really assess your farm as a business more. That was Cheryl Bless from Autumn Acres Farm located in Janesville, Minnesota. And this is the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. And on this episode, I'll be chatting with Cheryl on how the family farm went from a CSA, or Community Supported Agriculture System, to a now thriving pumpkin patch that includes sunflowers, a corn maze, and much more. We'll also talk about what goes into planning and prepping all these events on the farm, pricing strategies during both periods of economic recession and inflation, the benefits to researching negative online reviews, and the importance of being engaged with customers on social media. Cheryl will also share some exciting details on a new project they've undertaken involving renovating a schoolhouse from the 1800s and why all farmers should consider agritourism as part of their business. When the show's over, consider sharing this episode with a friend. Just click the three dots on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and then tap on Share Episode. Now, please welcome to episode 205, Cheryl Bless. Welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. Thanks so much for being on. I'm super excited to chat with you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. All right. So you are, you know, honestly, I I think I could count on one hand how many people we've had from Minnesota, which is wild <laughs> because Minnesota is, I mean, super popular in terms of farming, in terms of dairy. So I'm glad we're kind of going to learn more about the wonderful state of Minnesota. Well, thanks. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know if I want to represent the whole state, though. Don't put that pressure <laughs> on me. <laughs> hey, well, there you go. So, yeah, you are with Autumn Acres Farm, and you guys look like y'all do a ton of stuff, um, like pumpkin patches and so much stuff in the fall. So, like, what's the whole background with Autumn Acres? Um, so, when we originally started, it was 2009, um, we were moving to our current property, and we started with... Um, basically a CSA farm at the time. And CSA farms were very new in our area. And we did it for a couple of years. And we were also along with the CSA farm growing pumpkins and squash and everything. And so we would always have plenty of extra. And we started putting them out on a wagon at the end of our driveway to sell. And after a couple of years of doing it, I just, for me personally, I, I realized that the CSA farm wasn't for me because you know, the, the people who buy a share in a CSA farm, they agree to take on the risk of the farmer, 
but I am kind of a perfectionist. And so it would stress me out so much. The fact that these people had already paid and what if I can't deliver and stuff. Mm. So I decided to go all fall stuff because then at least if my crop failed or, you know, we had an invasion of white flies, like has happened to us, you know, at least that was on me and it wasn't there. Um, they hadn't already paid me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. That can be tricky. It sounds like. Yeah. So, so I just basically, for us, it it worked better for me, for my stress levels. Not saying that what we do now isn't stressful. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) but it's a different kind of stress. I can imagine. I mean, it, it sounds like you were kind of trying to figure out what works best for you guys. And you tried the CSA farm and then you kind of moved on to what you're doing now, right? What happened was we started selling uh, the kids. Our kids were young at the time. And so we were just grow. We just started growing more pumpkins. We converted all of our CSA gardens into just pumpkins and squash and stuff like that. And we were pretty small at the time. I mean, we were just putting out like I think we had one wagon to start with and we put pumpkins out at the end of our driveway. And then each year um, I would just look for more varieties and I kind of found that pumpkins, I should clarify from the start, I have always loved fall. It has been my favorite time of year. My daughter's name is Autumn before we even named the farm. (laughs) That was her name. (laughs) Um, And so it kind of was a natural progression in that regard. And I had, once I realized how many different varieties of squash and pumpkins and fall produce there was out there, I just, I kind of just dove into it. And so every year we were adding more and more varieties. And so even when we were pretty small and we were just selling off of a wagon or two, uh, people had started noticing, you know, we, we were carrying things that they didn't see anywhere else. Mm. That's super cool. So like what all, I mean, what, what all goes into that? Like, you know, you're, you're prepping for the fall. Like what time of year are you really starting to plant everything that way? Whenever the fall's here, everything's geared up and ready for you. I start working on next year in December. I usually, after our fall season is done, I take a little bit of a breather in November. I mean, we're still doing field work and cleaning up, but in December, I am deciding which, uh, which varieties we're growing again, how much and making those orders and stuff. Um, and then the, it doesn't stop from there at this point. Like I said, my, my business year for the farm is almost year round. I try to take a little bit of a break in November and just have a breather. But um, other than that, it starts then. Um, When we get into, I think everybody understands this who owns a business, but when we get into January, we're busy getting tax things and forms and everything ready at that point too. And then from that point on, all the projects start. What new projects and things are we adding? Um, That's kind of when, when the push for that starts. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And now I know you guys do a lot of stuff, but we can talk about this in a little bit, but I mean, you've got things like corn mazes, entertainment decks, you've got a food trailer that you're working on and so much stuff. Like, is that kind of at the end of the season? Is that when you're kind of like brainstorming anything you're going to do differently, anything you're going to add to it? Yeah. So basically by the end of the season, we usually have some ideas of what we want to do different or add the next year. And then in those, those winter months is when we're making decisions about, we've looked at finances and, you know, what should we invest in for the next year? And Mm -hmm. so then those hardcore decisions about what we're going to decide to add happen in those months. And then uh, we start planning, um, you know, as far as like, so this for the people who listen to this who follow us the, some of these things that you just mentioned they haven't these aren't haven't been announced yet so they're gonna be new this year so our we are adding a food trailer um 
And that was something that we ended up purchasing months ago. And, and then we're doing the work on the inside of it. And, you know, I'm still, we're not still officially approved with the county yet, but that's coming up in the next few weeks. Hmm. Um, that that's probably some of the toughest things we deal with, except for that our county has worked with us so well. I am super appreciative. A lot of times um, when I talk with others who are going through some of these same things, it, sometimes it's difficult to get approvals for different things. Our county has worked with us in a great way. He's the guy I'm dealing with right now in the food trailer. He's been super helpful. So I make sure I know exactly what we need to do, um, you know, things like that. So, but some of those things, when you deal with the government agencies, aren't always that easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. I mean, I'm not sure if you watched um, Clarkson's farm on Amazon prime. Have you oh, watched that? Yes. <laughs> Yes, we love that show. <laughs> it's so good. And yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a great example of just, you know, when the local government doesn't want to, it's just putting up every roadblock. So that's good to hear that you guys have had a very good experience with that, because I feel like, I don't know, half the time it's great, half the time it's miserable. Exactly. It, that is very true. And I we have had really good experiences with, and I'll be honest with you, the first time we went for our first permit, um, I was scared to death to do it because mm. I'm like, they're never going to approve that, you know, just like <laughs> that, that self-talk and everything. And when we went in there and they, they knew who we were, they knew what we were doing and they were excited for us and they were happy to have us expanding and growing and they've worked with us really well. That's awesome. That's, that's so good to hear. And I mean, and, and speaking of, of that food trailer, like what was the inspiration from that? Did you see another farm do that and you wanted to try it or, did you have like a brainstorming session? And you're like, you know what? Food, tr uh, food trucks are getting super popular. Why don't we try that? So that actually came from, we have a couple of fall festivals and we've been doing that for a few years already. And when we would have fall festivals, we do have food trucks, other food trucks come to our farm. And one of the things as we continue to grow our business, uh, that's probably the hardest thing right now is how do we really become profitable? Um, mm. We are still in a phase where we're investing a ton into our farm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I believe this is the, how do I want to say this? That it's worth what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like there's has to be some patience involved. And right now we're in growing years and we're in investing years. Um, and the, the future payoff is going to be worth it. But while we're doing this, you start to really assess your farm as a business more. And you try to make decisions that hopefully are going to make you more profitable. <laughs> and one of the things we decided is that, you know, when we are having these festivals, we still actually will have additional trailer uh, food trailers um, come out for, for our festivals. But all the other weekends, we were just selling basic concessions out of a tent. And there was so much more opportunity there for us to do something more and hope, like I said, hopefully make us more profitable, another, another, uh, revenue venue. So. That's perfect. I mean, it, and it sounds like the people that visited your, um, fall festivals, that that was something you know, that they wanted and that they needed. So it's not like, um, this is just like a random idea. Like you are very much meeting consumer needs. Like they really wanted to have that experience and you're fulfilling it. Yes. Yes. In fact, that's part of also what inspired us to go ahead and, you know, move forward with this is that, you know, when we would have um, one food trailer there, and then usually we'd also have, I, I don't want to say they're not a food trailer, but we'd have like a mini, mini donut vendor. Hmm, and okay. the lines at our festivals were long. And one of the things I do, and this might sound a little kooky to some people, but 
in, in my off season, one of the things I'm doing is researching um, agritourism all the time. And one of those things I do is I will go on to big popular farms across the country and I read their reviews mm. and not just look at their stuff, but I read their reviews. And when, and I purposely will click on their negative reviews. And what I found was that a lot of the negative reviews were people who had to stand in line. And that became kind of, you know, that light bulb in my head that if we can have our own food trailer on the weekends, we're not having a festival. That would be great for those weekends because people will appreciate having it all the time when they come out. And then on top of it, it gives us another option, another food option on our big days. So people hopefully don't have, we don't have such long lines at the trailers. Hmm. That's, that's such a great idea looking at the negative reviews and see what other pain points are and kind of how you can prevent that. That's such a really cool idea. I've not heard of anybody else doing it because I mean, that data is there and you're just, you know, looking and see what's not working for other people and then how you can kind of, you know, learn from their mistakes, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of like troubleshooting. And if I can prevent those negative mm. things from happening, I'm not going to lie. you. <laughs> Some of the negative things are still going to happen. It's running oh, a business. Yeah, yeah. Not everything goes. Not everything goes smoothly. <laughs> but you know, if we if we can get ahead of some of that and look ahead of that, that's that's what I try to do. I like that. That's that's a really good approach. And so, kind of going along those lines, you, um, whenever we were talking about back and forth about this episode, you brought out some really cool perspectives on um, how you can price out items, like whether it's at a farm or a farm store or fall festivals during recessions and inflation periods because that's obviously it's an issue for consumers for customers but also for like small businesses and family farms that want to make a profit but they don't want to gouge the consumers an arm and a leg and so like how do you go about balancing that whether it's a recession or an inflation like still profiting but not you know having such a horrible impact on the consumers from a price point perspective yep that is a big part of what we're dealing with. Um, for for the last numerous years, we have worked. Um, in, in, we haven't charged for a lot of things. <laughs> um, you know, we we just we keep we try to keep everything free. And my and my mission is to keep the farm accessible to everybody, regardless of financial. You know, whatever their abilities are. And so it's been hard because the last few years we've realized this is really not sustainable the way we're doing things. And we do have to approach this as a business and we have to make sure that we can keep doing this. And so this year, and so you, when you, when you asked about any good advice, I don't know if it's good advice yet. We're going to some, this is going to be implemented this year, but we are actually going to be um, starting to charge for some things that we haven't in the past. And, and we added the corn maze this year. So that's new. So there will be a fee for that. Mm. Um, but what we're doing is approaching it as a choose your own experience. That's what we're going to market it as basically that when you come to our farm, you can choose your own experience or you can choose. uh, I want to look that up quick. What is it? I just like that. He can edit this. He told me he can. (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah. I Um, like that quote though. Choosing your own experiences. I like that. Yeah. Choosing the experience that works for them. So if they are a family, you know, or I shouldn't even say a family, if they are, um, I have a lot of people who come to the farm and they just come because we have such a great selection of pumpkins. They mm, don't care okay. about the activities. They just want to come and get their pumpkins. <laughs> and I love that. We aren't charging them to come in and shop. There's no fee for that. 
But then you know what, if you want to use the play area, which we're expanding this year, there's gonna be a small fee for that. And if you wanna use the corn maze, there's gonna be a fee for that and hay rides. And then we've just combined it so that if you wanna do all of that, you actually get a dollar discount. So hmm. we're gonna start charging for some of the things. So hopefully we can still stay in business and make some money. But at the same time, we aren't excluding anybody because any family can still come and shop and enjoy the pick your own patch. You know, we're not charging just everybody will be able to choose what level works for them. I got you. That's that's such a good idea. And again, like, do you feel like you'll you, you know, you'll practice some stuff and then figure out, you know, this is working or this isn't working. So how important is it to be very adaptable in those situations? It's very important. Um, one of the things that we're getting better at, and it's not perfection. I don't know. I mean, if you've ever been to a, <laughs> maybe some maybe some pumpkin farms have this perfected, but for us, you know, keeping track of inventory, who keeps, who keeps track of thousands of pumpkins? Just like we're all we're worried about is we wash all our pumpkins, which is not something a lot of places do, but we are working on harvesting them, washing them and getting them out there for the, for the consumer. And so there's no counting. We don't keep track of all that. You know, we keep track of sales. <laughs> Part of what we're doing this year is going to help us keep track of how many of everything we're selling. And that is going to help us make better decisions as we move forward too. Um, one of the things we are working on implementing it is not done it, and we're it's, you know, technology is a great thing, but it can be a frustrating thing. And mm -hmm. I have um, my website designer and, and my, and she's not just the designer. She knows, she knows how the websites work when, where I don't. Um, she's helping us right now to set up a system where we are going to have QR codes, not just a price tag on everything. Now we'll have a QR code that people can scan with their phone put it into their shopping cart and it will obviously add it up. Just like if you're at Sam's club or Walmart or, you know, wherever you're at um, and you can scan and go. And so it'll put that item into their shopping cart. And it will also give information on our squash. We get so many questions about the different varieties of squash and what they taste like, what they're good for. And people will be able to look that up just by scanning a QR code. And then um, when they're all done, they will be able to check out with that. And then we will have somebody checking them out as well. Kind of just like if you go out of the store at Sam's Club, somebody's going to check to make sure you paid for your stuff. Um, so that's something we are working on. And when we do that, if we get that system all in place, it will also help us keep track of inventory mm, and okay. so it, it will change our business and hopefully make us more efficient and, you know, just and, and better. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, because you have, you've got a pumpkin patch, you've got so much stuff there. You're not putting QR codes or barcodes on pumpkins. I mean, that's, that's a very hard crop <laughs> to keep um, track of, especially for, you know, a fall pumpkin patch like you guys. Right. So what we do, a lot of places sell by the pound, by the way, that's another way we have always tried to make our farm affordable. Um, we do not sell by the pound. Uh, I had an experience once when I was, when we were younger and had kids and when I went to check out, I was just shocked at the price because I had no idea how much each of these pumpkins and squash weighed. And like some of our decorative squash, they're heavy. I mean, they have a lot of moisture in them. And so, yeah, I know that's kind of industry, industry standard, but it didn't work for me. It didn't set well with me. So from the start, we have always charged by the pumpkin and we just separate our pumpkins basically either on wagons or pallets in, in stands in areas, you know, and each area, wherever that thing is, wherever that pumpkin or squash is, will 
have a price tag. So you mm. know how much you're paying for that um, pumpkin or squash when you pick it up. Um, and that's what will allow us to be able to do the QR codes because right on that price tag next to it will be a code and they'll be able to scan that. That's so neat. Um, and, and, you know, before I forget, um, you know, you have that, you're going to have that food truck there in the fall. Are are you guys planning to like yep. highlight any like pumpkin or squash recipes as kind of a part of that where you can be like, hey, like this is from our farm and here's how we cooked it. You can try this at home. So the the short answer is no. Okay. <laughs> um, not that we don't think it would be not that we don't think it would be cool. <laughs> but when we talk about the government government regulations and stuff, um, w- part of how we're keeping this more simple is that a lot of our foods will be pre pre made. In mm-hmm. essence, I am allowed to, I mean, I can obviously add, and I, I have some plans to make some good food out of um, basically stock food, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but could, anytime we start cooking and doing more from scratch, we run into more regulations. Mm-hmm. So okay. we will probably try to keep that stuff to a minimum. There are some things we can do, but you know, we're in a limited space with limited options, basically. That makes sense. I mean, and honestly, there's only so much you can do with squash and pumpkins. I mean, if you're doing like a, <laughs> like a pumpkin soup or something, or like, I don't know, like yeah. fried squash, like it's not like those are, it's not like they're like potatoes and you can make dozens of things out of them. So that'd be a little bit difficult, I guess. Well, I will tell you, you will be surprised if you, <laughs> that is one of the things after all these years of growing, I, and I, I also enjoy cooking when I have time. So if I don't have time, I don't enjoy it, but, but when <laughs> I have time, I love cooking and I never used to eat squash. And now I am like on our website and stuff. And I don't have as much of this out there. It's something that I kind of want to do more of in the future, but right now we're so busy on building the farm that, that, that takes a back burner. But every year I share a couple of recipes and they're not recipes from someone else. They're things I have made, you know, with our, with our squash or with different varieties and how you can cook them and use them. And I will tell you, there are so many more options than most people think. And for people who love squash, they absolutely love that. I, that I do give that to them every year because it gives them a different way to use it. And and I think that's great. And, And there's more ways than I know even. So even though I agree with you in theory <laughs> that, oh, there's only so much you can do. And, and honestly, for years, I thought all there was was pumpkin pie and, and uh, squash with brown sugar. That's all I ever knew. <laughs> um, but I didn't know I liked squash until I started eating it with, this was from my husband. Um, he made it one day with um, butter and salt and pepper. And then I, we ended up putting um, cheese and nuts on it. And it was amazing. I'm like, okay, I like that. That is totally different than with brown sugar. So there, there are different things we can do. You just got to get a little creative. Yeah, there you go. You got to be adventurous in the kitchen. My wife made, um, I think about two years ago for the first time, she made a butternut squash recipe and it was delicious. Like we've never cooked with butternut squash, but we're like, you know what? Let's try to find a good recipe. We found one, we tried it, we cooked it and it was delicious. I mean, I feel yes. like, I, yeah. I, you know, I think that one of the good things about social media is that it's making people a little bit more adventurous in terms of cooking. Cause there's so many like very interesting accounts out there that showcase like very, I don't know, lesser known recipes with lesser known um, ingredients. I totally agree with that. You can find some fun things out there to try. 
Oh, for sure. Okay. Speaking of that, um, I hope this doesn't gross you out, but I actually just got some some beef tongue that I'm going to try to make tacos oh. out of. And I've heard so many people have tried that. Have you tried it? You will like it. I have not had beef tongue for tacos. But, okay. Okay. I live, I live in rural Minnesota. We are farm country. <laughs> and um, when I when I was young, I was very young at the time. Um, it probably was back when my grandparents still had their dairy cattle and everything, I would guess. Mm, okay. Um, but one of one of my uncles actually canned beef tongue and it did not tell us what it was. There was a couple of us <laughs> kids around. Yeah, you probably know how that goes, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but I ate it and it was I I've told my husband when I see the travel shows where they're eating beef tongue, I said I would totally eat that because I still remember to this day that however young I was, I was like, Oh, that's really good. And then they told me it was beef tongue. I was like, really? But I never got grossed out about it. I was like, that was good. It was really good. So there you go. Yeah. I've, I've never had it before. And I feel like at least starting off with tacos would be a very approachable way of trying it. Like I'm still trying to convince my wife to try it. She's like, absolutely not. So maybe we'll see how it goes, but yeah, I've heard a bunch of, a bunch of people like smoke it. They do tacos and all that good stuff. Yeah, I think you will love it. It's it's a very, very tender and good piece of meat. So, gotcha. Well, I will have to keep you updated on how that goes. I'm I'm very excited <laughs> to try great. it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and you know, speaking of social media, another thing, you guys are very, very active and very um. You'll you'll have a lot of really good content on social media in terms of Instagram, Facebook, and also your website. Like, how important especially for a farm that has a lot of agritourism in the fall, like how important is you, is it for you to have that social media presence year round? It, I think, I think it's important. It's very hard. Um, mm. It is. Um, when we are building up right now as our season, we're coming into season and, and the interaction um, primarily our Facebook page is our main source of communication with people. That is where we have the biggest audience. Um, I, I will be honest with you. I've tried, I, I do do some things on Instagram, but I just, I've never, I don't know if I have never figured out what the keys are to it, but I don't <laughs> get, like, we don't get exposure on Instagram. So a lot of people don't see it. Mm. Um, so I do post there, but it's never my first priority because I know Facebook is going to give me a lot better distribution. Um, but as we go forward, like right now, you know, even we're in sunflower season, we've got our sunflower field open right now. And just hitting that season, our, our, our page has kind of exploded again, which is typical this time of year. And then it'll stay strong all the way through October. That's great. That's when we kind of typically gain our new followers because we're getting really good exposure. Um, but then it, I do think, I really believe it's important to keep them as engaged throughout the rest of the season as possible. Mm -hmm. That is hard. Um, how, how part of the reason how or reason part of how we've done that is to number one be a little personal. Mm -hmm. I, we don't have to tell them everything that's going on in our lives, but you know what? When they see that we're working in the off season, it makes them feel like they're part of our farm still, that they're part of our story. Um, number two. We have, I have, um, I have beautiful, but they're not so beautiful right now. I've been so busy this year. My gardens are a little lacking, <laughs> but, but, but I, I have gardens around my house, landscaping and, and gardening has been a passion of mine since I was 17. And 
it's, it's one of those things that when I, I just, because, you know, in the middle of winter, you're sick of in Minnesota, especially you're sick of seeing snow. And I do post some snow pictures, but you know what, you just get tired of it and you start posting some of the garden pictures and the response to that has been really, really good. And so part of how we get through Minnesota winters is we start thinking about growing way before we can grow. Mm-hmm. And some of us are starting plants indoors. And even if we're not, we're planning gardens for the next year. And so that has been part of how I've managed to stay active and keep an active audience during the winter. Um, it, and they're not always the same people. They're not necessarily the people who come to our farm. You know, that's the hard part about it. But at least we're still keeping our Facebook page active. It's still getting distribution. Um, and I get to stay in touch with people, which for me is is a great thing. I, that's, I love being in touch with my with my visitors there, or even not my visitors, my, some of them, like I said, don't visit the farm, but they're into gardening. And that part of um, our off season has really helped our page stay relevant. Um, and then of course I still sprinkle in farm stuff. I mean, when we're starting projects in February, you bet I'm posting about that. So that's, that's such a good idea. Um, I mean, not only are you keeping it relevant because, you know, I mean, with social media, if you're not posting for a couple of weeks or a month, then your page is going to go under. Um, yes. And so <laughs> yes. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't imagine like the pain points that that would have for for you guys, especially because your business really focuses on the fall. And yeah, you're just kind of I guess you're you're also kind of like building anticipation because every time they see your stuff, I bet they're like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to go to the fall festival or to see the stuff they're doing in the fall. So, you know, you're kind of keeping that um, that chain of communication open where they're like, Hey, Oh yeah, I'm not going to forget about them because they're super active. So that's awesome. Exactly. We Here's the deal. They're not coming to the farm in February or even May, mm. but that doesn't mean we want to be absent from their minds all year long. We want to still be in their minds and we want them to be looking forward to the next time they get to come see us. Mm. That's perfect. And so you just mentioned you you all also do sunflowers, right? So that how how long is that kind of, how long is that time period? Oh, that's a short one. We we might work on next year doing a uh, staggered planting so that we can extend our season. I actually thought about it this year, but we were so busy with things they're just I could not squeeze in doing something different, you know. Mm, oh, um, yeah. But if we can do a couple of plantings a week apart, it will extend our season for that. It Right now, as it stands, sunflowers tend to bloom from, I don't know, 10 to 14 days, maybe. Okay. And so at 10 to 14 days, we are, let's put it this way. The flowers, maybe they're still, they're still there, but they don't look as great. And so that's kind of at that point, we start closing the field because nobody wants to come take photos and things with them then. Yeah. Um, the other thing with that is that, um, you know, we have a lot of photographers that come out and I, not everybody does this way. In fact, I know every field and place around us does things different. Um, but you know, when I talked about earlier about people's experience at the farm and how, like, I've looked, done some researching about negative experiences and that's kind of like where I want to stay away from, like if we can prevent those things. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things for me is that if we have a ton of professional photographers doing photo shoots constantly, it affects the experience of the other people who are visiting. Mm. And we don't want them to feel uncomfortable or that they're intruding. We want them to enjoy the field too. 
So one of the things I do is they, my, my photographers, they do have to pay a fee and they, and they are expected to contact me and set up a time. And what we do is we keep that to a minimum um, so that our, we're not having photographers everywhere while we can't, while our, our regular guests, you know, just our regular visitors can't experience the, the sunflower field. And so when I book those times up, like this year, we had people contacting us before the fields were ready, before the field was ready. And we're scheduling those and, and boom, we're booked up with everybody wants sunset times usually. <laughs> and you so got to get the golden hour. Long. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it doesn't take long for those seven to 10 days to book up. And we do mm. a couple of yoga events as well. And on the yoga event nights, I do not schedule professional photographers for that night because we already have something going on. So it really limits the amount of time, um, you know, and, but that's my choice. Not every farm does that. Many of them will let as many come in as they want. And, and honestly, you know, it could be more profitable for me if I would, if I would double up or triple up or whatever. And, and maybe if we get the field a little bigger or something, that might be something I consider. Um, but doing a staggered planting might also allow for people to have a, a few more options, a few more dates available to do the professional photography or just to have our general public have a chance to get out here. Right now, we are on day, I'm trying to think of our bloom, like when I kind of consider we're open, we opened last Sunday. And so what are we on Friday? I'm trying to think. Actually, <laughs> yeah, we, so we, we're open. We've been six days open. Okay. We yeah. Yeah. We should get through the middle of next week pretty easily if the weather holds. But guess what? Right now we're looking at two days of rain possibly. And sometimes that's enough to make all the petals fall off. And so we don't know what the rest of the season will bring. If, if the next week, if we're going to still have revenue, you know, it might have to be closed if, if the field looks terrible. And right before we opened this year, we had two days before we had a windstorm hit us like, and it was just here because I have fields, I have back fields around us where we grow other things. And our yard and the sunflower fields got nailed. And we had, I mean, there's, you'll, if you walk through it now, you'll see spots where it's like, we just had these downbursts of wind just flatten things. Oh, and yet I have a, a small corn plot on the other side with, you know, like I said, on my, one of my back fields, that one was totally fine. So we just happened to in a bad spot that day <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting yeah you never know what the weather's going to do especially to an important crop like that that's wild yeah yeah so we re we have a lot of dependence on the weather and this year has not been a friendly one it's been up and down and it just to be very honest with you the pumpkin crop has been severely affected by the fact that we uh the first we got one planting in and when we were we were trying to beat the rain for that first for that first planting mm -hmm. and as soon as we were done we got the pre-emergent ready to put on and we made it about one third of the way through the stuff we had planted before it got it was started raining and it was too muddy and we couldn't reapply or we couldn't keep applying the pre-emergent so that meant the two-thirds that didn't get the pre-emergent are weed fest and then we planted the rest of our fields, which was way more acreage um, after that rain had dried out. And then after that, we did not get rain for three weeks. So oh once goodness. again, yeah. So the, so once again, the pre-emergent didn't work, nor did the pumpkins grow. So guess what is growing in all that bare ground? 
lots of weeds. <laughs> oh yeah. And I actually had, I actually had one section of my fields I had to replant and I put some 90 day pumpkins in there. And I think as long as we don't get an early frost, we'll get a harvest off of them. But it has been today what I spent my day before I met you, <laughs> met with you, I was out mowing my fields. And I am not kidding you. I am mowing the weeds in between plants and in the rows because <laughs> I can't get in there with anything else at this point, but the weeds are so bad for us this year. So yeah, it's been a real challenge this year. And I've been doing this since 2009. I mean, you'd think by now I'd have it figured out, right? <laughs> hey, you, it, it, I've heard of farmers that have been doing it for 60 years and they're like, hey, I'm still trying to figure things out. So you're not alone <laughs> because obviously weeds are always like a pain point for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And you know, and the weather that, that affects so many things. So. Oh, also true. Also true. Um, well, Cheryl, this has been awesome. So obviously the fall is going to be a big season for you guys. Um, I can't wait to kind of follow along with you guys the rest of the year, see how you prep for it. Um, like when exactly are you kind of going to start announcing like kind of the big stuff coming up this fall? Oh, you know, when I post this, <laughs> when I share this podcast, it'll be the unofficial announcement, but yeah, it's, <laughs> Honestly, the next coming weeks here, we just start making the announcements. It's just one by one, we'll announce another new thing. Because then by the time we are to, I think we open on September 9th this year. Okay. Um, by the time we get to that day, then we've kind of got everything out there. And, and, and by then the momentum has built. That's what we're doing is trying to build momentum. So people are excited to come. And the more, you know, great things we have to, to tell them about, the more excited they are. Well, that's perfect. And okay, honestly, I have that just more proof that this year is just flying by for a split second. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's May or it's March. Like, no, it's already August. So, yeah, it's, the fall is going to be here very, very quickly for you guys. It's coming pretty fast. It really is. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's scaring me a little bit because we got a lot to do. But we're just kind of I'm not saying it, I had somebody say we had yoga at the farm with the sunflowers the other night. And somebody said, I know you're going to get everything done because you guys, you guys always do and you work really hard. And I said, he, you just don't know how many things are on my list that never do get done. <laughs> so I said, we, we do. We try to get as much done as we can, but we never get everything done. So we'll work at getting as much as we can accomplish. That's so funny. Yeah, you're you're seeing the fruits of the labor, but there's also so many more fruits that are like still being sown and all that good stuff. That's so funny. But I mean, just by the looks of it on Facebook and Instagram, you guys are doing an amazing job and I'll link all that stuff below in the description. And um, kind of ending on the Minnesota note again, um, my, my wife and I, we've never been to Minnesota, but if we do, hopefully we'll go in the fall and we'll have to visit you guys at Automakers. That would be awesome. We would welcome you with open arms. Well, well, thank you so much, Cheryl. It has been a blast. Okay, thank you, Trevor. I enjoyed talking with you today. Thanks again to Cheryl for coming on the show, and thank you for listening. If you want to check out more content, go to thefarmtraveler.com, or of course, check out our ever-growing YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Farm Traveler. But of course, to make it super easy, you can just go in the description of this episode, wherever you are listening from, and you can find the links to all of that, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and the website. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.